I'm not asking you to come down to Inglewood and connect with me, right? I'm saying I came to you as a model. He will come, time will fall. Who's gonna stand when the trumpet's called? Don't look to the left, look to the light. Raise your hands up, give it up for Christ. So he will come, time will fall. Who's gonna I noticed somebody pop up in the Facebook group, and it was pretty obvious that they they were not white and it stuck out. And that was one of the things I was like, oh my God, it's one of those things where you realize like how lack, the lack of diversity in an organization or in a group when you see that. Um, and so I was like, okay, I have to like try to figure out how to navigate this world. And so I messaged him and I was like, hey, would you mind like Skyping? I'm just curious, like I wanna create more leaders in rewilding because I feel like that's a, a good place to start with diversifying because if somebody shows up to an event and it's all just white instructors and they're not white, that's gonna be really weird as far as like the social dynamics. So um, I asked Aaron and uh, we started Skyping and, and having a conversation about these issues and I was just like, oh my God, I have to have you like start coming to these things, what can we do? Um, we came up and collaborated with some of these ideas and so um, I'm really excited to have him here talking tonight. And he, I don't really know uh, I think one of our first interactions, he was like, so why do you care about this? Like, what is, <laughs> you know, he's like, I mean, I, I don't understand, like, what is, and I was just like, for me, this isn't going to be something that everybody can do. If, if it's not something that everybody can do, what's the point of, of this? It's not a movement if it's not something that everybody has access to. And I want to know what those barriers are. I want to break down those barriers. And if I have white privilege, then I want to know how I can leverage that to open up rewilding, crack it open, and make it accessible to everybody. Because it's not going to be a movement that continues if it's not for everyone. Um, and so that was essentially the way I've been going forward um, from now. And our organization in general, uh, and the board is really behind all of this as well. So um, I guess I should stop talking and let Aaron talk. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, have Aaron come up. And Let's give him a round of applause. Slow down. 
This is how you can speak. There was a time I was afraid to even go to school because I went to a dominantly white school. And my mom would call me in after school and she would say, how was your day? And I'd say, it was good. And I'd go to walk her out the door and she said, no, come back. How was your day? And she wouldn't let me leave until I told her how every single period went. And if I said, yeah, this one teacher, she kind of yelled at me. I didn't do anything, but she just yelled at me. And I don't know what that was about, whatever. And I'd keep going telling my day. She just kind of listened. She didn't say anything. And the next day, I show up to school. My mom was there just checking in. Well, I heard my son had a problem. And they were kind of shocked because when you go to a school that's 90% white and you have a mother that shows up for you, they have an expectation for you. And so from a very young age, I learned that being connected to a family, either be blood or either be uh, friends, is a critical way to survive. And so when I think about the rewilding community, what drew me wasn't necessarily the great crafts and skills. But it was a group of white people that thought, maybe that the culture we live in might not be the best for all of us. That maybe the government as it is right now might not be serving everybody well. However we reach for that might be different, but there was a desire to be flexible in our thinking. And so when I talk about driving to Portland and spending time with people, they go, why are you doing that, Aaron? I mean, seriously, Portland of all places? Yeah, I've met them, and Peter was correct. I was on the Facebook page, and I you know, was posting about my Earth Dome. I found rewilding because I was trying to figure out other people that enter sheltered building, live in an Earth Dome that's 13 feet tall and 13 feet wide with my wife. It's a minimal structure. And usually in Southern California and near Los Angeles have their influence. They're always confused why I would live in such a minimalist style. But I found that you know, if I looked on the internet in Portland and Wilders, this community, maybe they could be excited about this kind of thing. That's how I kind of found rewilding. I didn't intend on coming to Portland at all. That was never my intention. I thought it was some great Facebook communication. But one thing that's significant about that narrative that I think is really important is that Peter reached. He didn't really say, I'm going to do this correctly. I'm going to try to offend this black guy in Southern California. I'm just going to reach. I don't have the answers. I just have a question for you, Aaron. And I want to connect with you, Aaron. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll connect. I'm down with connecting, right? And so in that conversation, what I noticed first about Peter is that he was a humble spirit. He really wasn't trying to take his ego and, and bash it over, regardless of how prolific his skill set was. And that impressed me, because I'm used to navigating white egos to survive. And so I kind of can have a nose for an ego a mile away. And I didn't smell it. And I was like, what? This guy's chill. Like maybe Portland is something there. But what's beyond that is Mindy. Mindy. Which is critical, um, because one thing that's done in our culture is black men are weaponized against white women. That, that's one of the first things we're looked at to pray after symbolically. And so when a white woman says, hey, I want to know who you are, are you, are you sure? She's like, yeah, yeah, what, what's going on? I want to connect. And we just kind of went back and forth. But the tipping point is that she continued to reach. We've had several conversations. I see a lot of times over the phone or Skype once or FaceTime. Hours asking questions and thinking. And we weren't perfect in our communication, but one thing that Mindy did is she reached. That's all I needed was two quality people. And I said, I'll come back those in time. I'm, I'm aware that I might be the only African American person there. And yes, I saw the movie Get Out, but I'm still going to come. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, we can laugh. So that is that it was kind of a joke, but at some point there is, you know, that's scary kind of as a movie, but 
Where I live, if you were to drive to my house right now, you would drive at least past one Confederate flag. That's the area I live, and it's been great. I've been here for like two days. I haven't seen one Confederate flag. I can breathe, right? It's not that this place is innocent, but that it's a different type of conversation. So I'm not um, unaware of how racism can impact us, but I'm willing to be a model of reaching for you all. And so I want to make sure that we understand that I'm not here to remind you of how racist this environment is. I have a feeling you're kind of aware of some of that. What I'm here to do is to remind you that I am going to reach for you. I'm going to make my heart available to you. And I'm going to encourage you to reach and make a mistake and hurt my feelings, and I'll still reach for you. That's the model I think that builds community, is to give you some space to be flexible. Now, I want to be clear. Do not go to black communities locally and say, Aaron said reach. I'm going to start getting here and reach. I'm talking about me. Okay? I want to be clear. I'm talking about me. And we can talk about how to reach out to others. But there's a model that we can use. And so in this conversation of building community and, and, and really encouraging you all to build this, it really comes down to reaching. Not perfectly, but reaching. And I am, I am a firm believer this group has the heart. I've interacted with several, and I see some here that I met at Echo sometimes, and it was wonderful. Am I calling somebody? Make sure I wasn't okay. I have my iPhone. Right, sorry, honey. Um, so in the idea of dealing with this reaching, I see your face, I know you're able. I know you can think well. And so in the landscape of, uh, I remember um, I worked with this group called Black Voices Rising. It was kind of a youth support group in the Palm Springs area to support young African heritage individuals. And during this kind of job, uh, Trump is elected president. And my phone was blowing up. They're like, Aaron, what are we going to do? And I said, the same thing I was doing before he got elected. I'm not changing my actions. I've always been fighting for the same thing. And I said, I just didn't realize we had this much work to do. I said, I realized it because I've been in public education and I was in special education. I, was in, I have dyslexia to put me in special education. And so I understand how white oppression feels. I've been breathing it every day, right? So for me, for them to feel the shock, I wasn't shocked, but I was fueled. I was excited to know that we can create models that make yourself separate from the oppressive system. And it's not scalable for me to say for each one of you all to call me or text me. That's a big effort. I said at the last workshop in the Bay Area, I have 19 messages in my, in my phone from those. I love that. That's the highest number I've gotten thus far. But I want to encourage you all to find me on Facebook. If you don't have an internet, that's okay. Give me waters. You like off the grid. Please have a phone call, brother. Mail a brother. Reach out and talk to me after. I want to reach for you. I want to know you. I want to miss you. Because one of the things I realized about connections is this weird thing that happens as you talk to someone and you build community. Somewhere being hello and the future, you go, if, they, if something bad happened to them, I'll be devastated. You'll know when that thing clicks. But that kind of thing is not about reading a book about racism, which is good. It's not about just watching the film. If you have never held the hand of a black man for more than three minutes, I think that's what we should shoot for. Because I think about a lot of times people say, well, I was in, a, in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, I'm talking about Oakland, but some black people in Oakland, okay? They live there. And this individual was probably maybe, I'll say in their 60s maybe. And I was in a group, 
small ones will have the side that says, I just want to give a space for someone to come up and hold my hand that's never held the hand of a black man for three minutes. And I thought maybe no one raised their hand, but Bunker the figure something happened, a, a little boy or something you've touched. She said, several people said, I haven't done it. I said, let's do it now, in a safe space. And we had a great session. I've also been in groups where I asked people to hold my hands. I said, I can't. I said, well, let's think about it. Let's just sit across from each other and let's think about it. And they got a chance to cry. They got a chance to be angry at themselves. They got a chance to be embarrassed. And I was still waiting. And we never got to actually touch hands, but we have to start with where we are. So wherever you are on the spectrum, if you have never, excuse me, if you've never actually reached out and touched a black man's hand, that's okay. And if you actually live and consider yourself mixed to the culture, you're in depth, you, are all, you have all the books read and you're comfortable, that's fine as well. But one thing I want to remind us is that we have an opportunity here in Portland to have a model, a model of reaching. I literally drove all the way here because of two people, really. Peter and Mindy. I didn't need a whole lot. I said, no, if these people can, can, can function this community and think this well, there's probably more here. Because they're too intelligent to interact in groups that aren't intelligent as well. And so I just wanted to invite us to think about the rewilding community. And the instinct might be how the white distress sits. It's like, okay, we've got Aaron last year as one black person in this. Portia came as two. Okay, next year we're going to get 10. No, next year you might just have me. Right? And that's okay. And the year after that, it might just mean me again. But if you continue to reach, continue to build, all of a sudden you get two more. All of a sudden you'll have a friend you were actually kind of reach out to because you never got around to it because you weren't trying to do it. You don't make a mistake. And you reach. And all of a sudden we can create some work. But understand that when you think about reading people of color, I don't think of it as one lane. African heritage. There are other lanes that need to be filled here. I'm sitting on my lane right now. That's going to take the remainder of your life to make this work. This is not a four-year term effort. And so it's going to take 30 years. And we can look back and go, we got 10 black people here consistently. But you worked at those relationships. Right? And that's probably a good thing. So I'm here as a model. I'm not just here to speak about um, diversity. I'm here to be a model of diversity. I could have sent you an online course or a video, but I wanted to kind of the stress and the tension and the calorie, emotional calorie burn to be one of the few, I think almost one of the only African heritage people in a room, right? And to open up my heart and say, I want to connect. And see if you are capable. I get the 900 miles in, right? I got the, I'm outnumbered. So you're in good shape. This is your environment. I'm not asking you to come down to Inglewood and connect with me, right? I'm saying I came to you as a model. And I don't blame you for not going out to California. It's really nice up here. It's chill, right? I get it. I get it. But you also can learn how to reach. And I'm not going to sit here and critique you about why am I the first black person to be here, right? Why am I the first instructor to get show up in this way? That's not important. The important thing is what's next. What about after today? The invitation's been given. I'm inviting you to reach. I'm inviting you to reach for today, or next month, or even next year. I mean, you think I forgot about you. So Aaron, I, I remember I was gonna reach to you, it's been a year, and I think I just got my life in a place I can reach out. Hey, what's up? I'm like, what's up? I'll still be here. I realize it's not just this month. It's not just the feeling of today. 
And so this auction to me is very special. Because to me, I, I, I went around the table and several asked me, like, did you like anything? I loved all of it. I really did. That's not just me being general. But what I love most is your faces, is the people that are here in the room. And I'm, I've done this enough to know I can't get to meet all of you all. But one thing I know is the one way I can kind of symbolically reach all of you all instantly is with music. And what's significant about this is that music is a place we've been hurt. Historically, when the little kids, you know, and I sing a lot, and you tell them, stop singing, stop singing, you're not a singer. And so I'm going to do chords or ourselves to sing. You add this element of like black songs or spirituals to it. It's like, I'm not going to sing a spiritual, it's not appropriation. It's not if I invite you to do it. You're not releasing an album on it and making money. This is a community activity. This is not appropriation, okay? I'm inviting you. And I say invite. Because I'm not saying you should, I'm not trying to, if you want to close your eyes and be present, that's singing as well. I understand sometimes voices can feel heard. Children aren't confused about it, but as adults, we've learned how to be quiet and not let our voices rise up. And I think what's significant too about singing is that this is how we survive in the African heritage culture. As the kind of pillaging and the oppression of black people and white people in this country including the theft of our music and culture, singing has helped us stand up. It's helped us push. When it seemed impossible to push. And what I've learned in this work is that a lot of white people can learn a lot from standing up, because you have to stand up against other white people that don't quite have this understood. And I think being able to sing as a healing uh, modality is so useful. And so when I start this song, I, I don't want you to think really much about the author, or about your skill set, or about how nervous you might feel, or how excited you are. I want you to understand this song for me sits deep with me. I'm kind of embarrassed, I'm nervous. Reach, reach for it. It might be you're excited, then definitely jump in there. But a couple of things important to us when we sing is that one of the important parts of singing is listening. So if I start out, hold on, then you start out, hold on. If I start out, hold on, you can go there too, right? So we don't make sure that you aren't going, hold on, and I'm up here going, hold on, right? We want to make sure you match me. And so if I start going like this, this means I'm a little bit more. And if I go like this really fast, that means I'm a little bit more. And what's really amazing about this song, if it's done correctly, the entire roof of the building just comes off. <laughs> it's really amazing. It's really amazing. You can see the sky and everything. It's just the whole building just comes off, right? And so I, I've had this song happen that way a couple of times with audiences, and they were like, you're so right, Aaron, the, the roof just came off. It's shocking what we do when we just free our voices and allow them to be filled with it. The power of voices unifying together to help that. So I'm going to further do this. I'm going to get that kind of preference. I guess I'm going to sing through it. I'll kind of look at you and be like, you got it. Bring it in. Let's go. Here we go. Hold on. So I start with the who, and go on to hold on and sing on. Ooh. Just a little while long. 
wild though, you did you? You wild, huh? Flip it in there. The beauty of these songs, you sing it well. That's how I can connect with all of you all at the same time and couldn't hug each you all instantly, but we just did. You just reached for me. That song is so painful and so beautiful for me, it's almost hard to sing it sometimes because it, it reminds me of a really painful and very dark day in my life. And in that story, I feel is how I'm able to reach with you all. That music is something we can unify ourselves quickly. And if you're living a life and you find yourself out there doing your thing and, and all of a sudden you find yourself needing to hold on, just start singing that song. And you don't gotta sing it perfectly. Sing it, but you understand what the meaning of it is. It got me through, I wouldn't be standing here today if that song wasn't sung to me again, and again, and again. And one thing that's important is because I'm not confused, I think some of you all, I would say a lot of you all probably are saying, I am committed to social justice, I'm committed to black lives and ending this thing called racism, it's been here too long. But one thing I find is it's important when you're doing this work is that even if you're on the right side, you're thinking the right way, that one piece that gets lost, I wanna just mention a little bit, and that is reevaluating your commitment. Reevaluating your commitment. What does that mean? What am I talking about? I'm gonna tell a quick story here. I'm not sure how much time I have, Peter. Give me like a two minute warning if I go over my 45 minutes, 30 minutes. All right, so I just wanna make sure because I wanna be sensitive to the idea. But I was, I was, I'm a performance artist, and so oftentimes I do artwork that challenges what people may think about who I am as a black man. And this piece called Ideas Are Hard to Fade. No one ever called it that. That's what it's called. Me and my brother, my brother is about twice my size, a little bit taller than me, big guy. He had his wig, dreads, right? I had a curly top wig on, I had some like Nikes or something, some kind of baggy clothes. I fit in the character. My German cousin is six foot, probably three, thin, skinny guy, a big afro. And he was there with me. We went to the local mall there in Victorville. We put some cameras up, kind of discreet cameras. And we started to sing a song. It's like a German artist, like, oh, let us get to, oh, let us get to, make Vulcan, how many Vulcan. And so you can imagine when people were like, this is not what I was expecting to see. <laughs> Three brothers looking like maybe hip hop artists singing German, I, they just kind of stunned them, right? So it kind of stopped. It was about 40 people kind of ended up stopping, like, we kept singing over and over to each other, what are we going to sing next? Like, all we know is this one little aria in German. At some point, we got to sing something else, you know? And we also knew we were illegally performing in the mall. This is 2001. And so it was a group of people there. They sent their kids over. We had a little tip box up. Put, like, money in there, and we are singing. We sing Lean On Me and a couple of the songs, and back to our German aria, because it was a hit. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they, we kind of got tired. We are singing, and we're, we had to take a break, you know? And we knew. And the cops were somewhere. We're like, where are all the cops? I see a bunch of white people supporting us. Where are the cops? I know they're nearby. And sure enough, the people kind of went to their cars. And the, the, during that time, they got every cop that had a gun in the mall together to ask us to leave. We didn't see him right away. They finally moved up, and then the head cop guy comes up and he kicks our box. You know, he's like, what you guys doing? He's waiting for a fight, and they're all, you know, they all were armed. And I didn't see that many armed cops in, a, in the mall before, but of course, with us, and we were already prepared to leave. We had cameras rolling. We're like, we're, we're sick you so much. We're about to leave. And this petite white woman's like, what are y'all doing, y'all cops? Harassing these? Like, all the cops are like, what? Like, calm down. We're about to leave, right? And that's why I first seen to get out. I'm like, so true. And is that not that she was on the right side? 
She was causing a bigger scene than we wanted to. We were ready to leave that point, right? Like, no problem, see the guns, see the cops. We're ready to leave. And she's like, she's ready to go, right? And that cops getting really intense. We survived, obviously I'm here, but the idea is that I think that's important for us to notice that sometimes we're trying to stand up for people of color. We've got to reevaluate our commitment. It's a tedious thing. And it's important to stand up for individuals. I respect that. But think about them as well. It's not just about your white rage. It's also about a system that can quickly get deadly, right? And so I, from that experience, I learned that it's important not to say, come on, reach, but always reevaluate. Don't stop and pat yourself on the back and be like, I've done my job. I've, I, no, but also read back and evaluate it because this stuff is a moving target. It's a moving, shifting ground. And so I just want to encourage us as advanced, flexible thinkers, I think it would be really dangerous not to mention to reevaluate when we achieve some of our major goals in the Echoes in Time and the Portland Rewilding, we get people of color in there and more African heritage people as well. We don't want to stop and go, okay, we're good. Oh my goodness, we've done so much, we've done in 20 years. Reevaluate your commitments. And that's not just about the rewilding community, but in all of your acts that you do. And so I want to share that because I think it's important that we reach from that position. And in that position, we can make a shift and be a model for a lot of people that have given up. I've gone to a lot of organizations that we want to integrate, it's really great. We want to bring black people in, you seem really nice, you speak really well, I think you can come in and be that gap in between. And then like a year in, the grant stopped, the funding quit, we're kind of tired, oppressive behavior is so exhausting Aaron. I'm like, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> and they opt out. They opt out. Because they got fatigued. And I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. But this, understand, this is a lifetime conversation. It's not just this month, as I said before. That when I reach for Mindy and Peter, I hope that someday I either see them die or they see me die because we fought until the end. That's how I knew this was going to have to happen if we reached for each other that way. Does this mean that, you know, one of the questions I ask in my workshops <laughs> is I ask, this is a, kind of a closing thought of my, of my question here, is that I ask everyone to close their eyes. Don't close your eyes, this is not the workshop. And I say, um, are you willing to hurt yourself emotionally in order to get close to black people, blackness? And almost every hand goes like, oh, I think a little bit of pain, black people been through so much, I will do it. Like half the 80% you just raise your hand, right? The follow-up of that question, you might have saw us on my Facebook page too, because I post this question as a topic, and I said, are you willing to hurt black people in order to get close to them. And they're like, one hand's like, oh, right? Because there's this mythology in white privilege that you can actually live a life without conflict, that you can somehow help someone without hurting them. Now, if I said the same question, I said, if you're gonna get a long-term relationship, like a marriage or something long-term, and you said, I'm gonna get married tomorrow, and I'm never gonna hurt my, my, my companion will never be hurt. We all kind of chuckle, like, he's never been married, she's never been, they never understand how much it's work. But somehow around race, we go, I don't plan on hurting black people. I'm gonna go into their community, I'm gonna force feed them some money, I'm gonna march with them, I'm gonna get arrested for them, and then no one's gonna offend by my actions. No. Not only are you gonna hurt black people, that's, that's inevitable. But the question I have is can you still stand when you hurt someone outside of your cultural space? Can you still stand and say, I'm gonna sit here in this pain and embarrassment and guilt, I'm gonna still stand, I'm still gonna reach I messed up. That place right there is where I think Rewilding can get an advantage. Because they're a you're a tough group. 
I've seen videos you guys stand out in the snow with your socks, no shoes on, and you guys, you know, making fire with sticks, and be like, you know, you can stand in you you, you're a resilient group. Seriously. Like, most times in California, like, I, I live in Earth Dome. Why do you live in a mud hut? Why do you do that? Here, it's like, great, I want to see it. You're resilient. Let's build one here. This is, this is Portland. So you're a resilient group. I have faith in your thinking. But I want to make sure you don't fall in those simple potholes of thinking you can do this without some pain, without some errors, that this is going to be a real experience on all of our parts. And I also know that there are people in this room that hear me today and go, oh, that was great, he sang this song, his dad dies too bad. Back to life. I get that. I get that. I share my heart knowing that portions of you all, they won't sit with you because you don't have to. But I also know there's more than just me and Peter in this room that I say, I'm going to reach. That today I'm going to make a difference in how I think about my space here in Portland. That the fact that maybe the 20 years ago time went by and I've seen African heritage people never questioned that idea. That 2018 I'm the first African heritage person teaching as an instructor. That's embarrassing, but guess what? I'm not going to let go of that. That doesn't have to be our future. That our children don't sit in the same spot and say the same thing. Let's get, some, let's get at least one black person here 20 years from today. Let's make today, for some of you all that have that little burning, I can't tell by your faces, but I can tell by the actions tomorrow and next month, that I'm going to reach. And that right there is what I'm looking for. And I remember I went to most groups, and there's about nine or eight that reached. The last one shot was 19. I was kind of impressed. Now, I don't know the number out here. I don't really care. If it's, I'll do it for just a couple. Because I realize that's all we need is a couple of good-thinking people. That's how I got here, just two people that reached. So if you forget my name, you forget my father passed away. You forget my mother fought for me every single day. She had five children. I felt like I was the only one because she fought for each one of us so in depth. If you forget that I posted on Facebook page, understand that Aaron Johnson came here and gave you his heart. Not my skill, right? His heart. My little Toyota came up here. was heart that drove me here. His heart. And I know I'm not the only one in this space, so I just invite you all to dig into yourselves when you have the opportunity to opt out. And when you get tired and it's exhausting to reach. Even when you hurt my feelings and I'm pissed at you, I'll still be here understanding we're trying to reach for each other. And our journey is not going to be just roses it's going up. But I'm inspired not only by this group in your face, but I'm inspired by the actions of individuals. I get to stay with the Mindy's. Like one of the best parts of this trip is to stay at her home. I, I hate hotels. I love people's homes. I love their stories. I want to desperately miss them. I leave Portland. I want to miss everything about their space and their children and their music and all that. So I want to miss you all. And I hope that if you reach for me that you miss me at some point in your life. And in that, I want us to understand that this is just the beginning. All right? So we're not going to get all done this weekend. But I'm here as long as I'm breathing halfway in my right mind. I'm going to reach for some of you all here. But don't let me do all the work. Understand, I did some work today as a model. But you can show up for this work. Not only be wilding, but show up for a diverse community. And be a model to Southern California. Be a model to Maine. Be a model to Texas. Be a model. And that's what I'm looking for in wilding, is modeling. Examples. And that's where I'm reaching from. Thank you all so much for your attention. Thank you for your time. And not only thank you for that, but thank you for what you're going to do. Because I have a feeling you're going to do some stuff here in Portland. And I'm excited about that. So I want to thank you ahead of time 
for that work you're about to do. I'm inspired. Thank you. Yeah. 